Oh man, I gotta go Tinku. I'm Joe Fulgham. I will lie with no man I can defeat in combat. I'm Lisa Gimino. Dirty fighting. Not as sexy as it sounds. I'm Kevin Leeson. Beware the one-inch punchline. I'm Torin Atkinson. It's Caustic Soda. Fisticuffs. Hey. Biff Sock Pow. Mano a mano is a Spanish construction meaning hand-to-hand. It was used originally for bullfights where two matadors alternate competing for the admiration of the audience. So, not sure, uh, I'm not sure what competing kind of, means in this context. And our special guest today is Lisa Gemino. So, Lisa, what are your uh, bona fides? Why do, you have here, why do we have you here to talk about punchy and kicky stuff? Well, I have been training in martial arts for 21 years in various arts. Uh, started in Taekwondo, went on to uh, a couple different kinds of fencing, archery. Uh, currently even training in boxing, kickboxing, Kali, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Jeet Kune Do concepts. One quick disclaimer, everything I say is my, it, that is not a fact is my personal opinion does not necessarily represent anyone at my gym. When the zombie apocalypse comes, you want to be with right me. You want to be with her. Yeah. yeah, I already have a plan. All my friends have plans, but mine involves weapons. As much as I respect the martial arts and hand to hand and all that, when the zombies come, I am going to my brother-in-law, who has guns. You might run into bullets, though. Not until we take a lot of them down. And the word martial arts, of course, comes from Mars, the Roman god of war. All right. And the closest phobia I could find was rhabdophobia, which is the fear of being severely punished. Or beaten by a rod. It also included the fear of being chastised. Yes. All right. With, with fists. <laughs> I'm going to chastise you. I guess we should talk about what exactly we're going to be talking about. Generally speaking, like all the punchy kicky stuff, right? No weapons, just bare knuckles and feets. And knees. We've well, not elbows. bare knuckles because there might be boxing gloves on them. Basically, any. Striking with your body. Yeah. Body cuffs? Footy cuffs? It sounds like an S&M thing. Footy cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the, yeah, they're the little furry ones that you yeah. get on your bedpost. Have you ever done any uh, boxing? Yes. I currently train in a school that does a lot of boxing, a lot of kickboxing. Okay. What's the difference between kickboxing and boxing in terms of style as opposed to like... Just the foot Just using the, the, the feet. All of the aspects, like all of the really great stand-up arts are extremely logical and extremely scientific so they're all very efficient so boxing kickboxing kali the stuff that we train it's all can be used both in sport and in the street and it's all about physics what's kali kali is um, a word for a filipino martial art uh, generally involves weapons but it also has a lot of uh, hand-to-hand and unarmed combat aspects it's also called a screma or arnis the term that we use is kali it's all pretty much the same it's the war art so it's intended to this is how you stop this person from ever coming getting back up and hurting you again all martial arts that are in a foreign language sound cooler i was actually really impressed that torin came up with panantukan on the uh, research stuff because panantukan is philip was called filipino boxing and it's the striking aspect of kali and it's about hitting pressure points it's about hitting the throat it's about hitting specific areas where the groin I, included, the of course. The groin included. The groin is not an off switch. People think it is, it is not an off switch. I have accidentally, air quoted, knee dropped guys with my full body weight in the groin, and they have not stopped fighting. All right. Wow, those guys are tougher than I am. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess a- if we talk about the history of martial arts, like it's pretty much people have probably been punching and kicking each other since uh, people before were people. they could make a sword. Yeah. Yeah, pancreation, Roman and Greek art uh, involved wrestling and boxing. Hermes is actually, uh, or Mercury, is actually the god, uh, patron god of boxing and wrestling and athletes. Well, of course, karate is a rather old martial art. Is it one of the oldest martial arts that we know of? Like, what's the oldest recorded martial art that we pancreation. know of? Pancreation. Pancreation. Ancient Greece. That's where you hit somebody with your pancreas? Yes, absolutely. You, hit, you remove your own pancreas, hit them <laughs> with it, and then reattach it. Or you learn how to survive a pancreas attack. It was the, one of the first things that was used to compete in the Olympics as well. You competed uh. in pancreation. It actually involved boxing, wrestling, and fighting with weapons. You would often wrap rope around your fists and strike the other guy and strike him until dead. They were, they were serious. It was sport 
that was to the death. Death sport. Well, it, you know what? When you wrap rope around your hand, it feels like the kind of thing like from that uh, Van Damme movie, Kickboxer, where they put glass on their gloves. Oh, that is the worst movie ever. Or Which Van Damme movie was that? Kickboxer. Kickboxer. Oh, or yeah. the best movie ever. <laughs> One or the other. But pan creation. Pan means all. And creation means obviously uh, kicking ass. In in modern day, we now have what was called modern pancreation, and it is typified usually by open hand striking. So slapping rather than punching up close, you slap, which is Ooh. actually safer than punching someone with a closed fist. Yes, D and D monks were right. In um, safer, but also more uh, emasculating. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because so if modern pancreation is in elementary school, what we call bitch fighting. Well, no. Yeah. When you see the guys actually do it, you wouldn't call them that. But go right ahead. <laughs> You have no idea what I will and will not do. Uh... If you got good running shoes, man, go for it. No, no, I can take it like a punishment. I'm like Homer. Oh, one, yeah. one of the guys that I that I studied uh, Shotokan karate with actually was missing one of his hands. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but he said, "Yeah, you don't want to get hit with this arm." Like he missed missing it at the wrist, so it's just a stump. Oh. And he says he's actually hit people with it, and it's like not being hit by anything else at all. Like it hits. It's so like hard. being hit by a club. Yeah, and he doesn't have to worry about his wrist or his fingers being hurt, so he can just do it over and but over. What about again. that precious ulna? Ulna of the arm, the, <laughs> the radius arm. and the ulna. You would be amazed by the number of professional boxers who break their hands in the middle of matches. The turtle Gotti during Gotti Ward Three broke his right hand during the sixth round and fought for four more rounds oh, with a nice. broken hand. Oh, yeah. uh, that's hardcore. Happens all the time, actually. It, uh, in fact, on the Ultimate Fighter TV show just a couple weeks ago, one guy broke his pinky finger so badly in the second round that the bone came out of his skin. Sure. They uh, dislocated his middle knuckle. Right. And the dislocation of the knuckle still came through the skin. Oh, pokey. Uh, and, uh, but he finished the fight. I almost have that here. That's what almost happened on that finger, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have exactly one joint that's still in alignment after <laughs> 21 years. I have one finger joint. that uh, It's that one. That's the only one that's actually still properly aligned. <laughs> so going back to history, uh, I've actually got an older martial art than pancreation, which is uh, Kalari Payatu. Wait, ah. but pancreation means all powers. Oh, all powers. Does it? All okay, powers. I did not know that. It's all powers, all disciplines, yeah. that sort of thing. I get it. These are probably contemporary with each other, but we can't, I mean, no one, there's no record, right? Sorry, so. what's this one called? Kalari Payatu, okay. which is uh, an Indian martial art, and it actually dates back to uh, up to 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's about the same time Created as Created by the Hindu gods. That's apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very weapons heavy. That particular art okay. and their hand-to-hand combat is extremely stylized and you're supposed to look like an elephant and look like a this and stuff it's um often very tra- trained by women a lot of the southeast asian and uh that area culture is trained their women to fight based on the principle of we can't go with you when you have to go over that hill to get water right and when the dudes from across the uh the pond come want to come and take you as a slave we need you to be able to fight long enough to be able to get away or scream and then continue to right. fight right. so that we can come and save you. Filipino martial arts, the women are often extremely um, skilled as well. I've had described fighting a woman who was in her 70s, I believe, a Filipino martial artist, was like fighting smoke was the phrase that I was. It was like you couldn't touch her. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. So the rumor for Kalari Payadu is, or the, the thought behind it is that monks from China actually visited there and that's where they learned and they took that back and created the uh, Eastern martial arts. That's also true of karate, as I understand it. You know what? It's all so steeped in uh, ritual and myth. That there's probably no way of knowing. For instance, mm-hmm. the, the claim that Wing Chun was, was created by a woman is fairly spurious. It's, it's pretty much a myth. But as far as they can tell, at one point, the only living practitioner of Wing Chun was a woman. So Everyone else had where, been wiped out. So that's where and that so, myth yeah. may have come from. That being said, it's extremely controversial. Where did Wing Chun come from? I personally hold that it is not a woman's art. It's actually a very difficult art for women because it's extremely based on strength. Mm. Kali, on the other hand, great art for women based on being smarter than your opponent. Uh, the information I have in karate is a large group of Chinese families moved to Okinawa around 1392 for the purpose of cultural exchange, where they established the community of Kumemura and shared their knowledge of the Chinese martial arts. The political centralization of Okinawa by Singsho Hashi in 1429 and the policy of banning weapons enforced in Okinawa after the invasion of the Shimazu clan in 1609 also, are also factors 
that further development of unarmed combat techniques. My own research on that was that there was always a warrior class on the island and that they simply adopted the weaponry that is now associated with Okinawan martial arts and the hand-to-hand combat into their own, integrated into their own um, style. Right. Interestingly enough, one of the reasons the Filipinos have such a great, or the Philippine martial arts have such great hand-to-hand combat is that when they were conquered by the Spanish, most of the tribes continued to fight for three, four hundred years. And I love this. Even when they were in the middle of fighting the Filipinos, the Spanish were hiring them as mercenaries because they were better than they were. Uh. But um, they basically were like, okay, these guys had the greatest sword fighting art on the planet, so we'll take away their swords. And then they developed the greatest knife fighting art on the planet, so we took away their knives. And then they developed the greatest, one of the best stick fighting arts on the planet, so we'll take away their sticks. What do we have left? They developed one of the most brutal and efficient hand fighting arts on the planet. It was always part of it, but the progression of having their weapons taken away from them by the Spanish really helped. They skipped the spoon phase. Take the UFC. I'm a fan. I like MMA. And right, if I watch like a regular boxing match, all I sit there and think to myself is just kick them. Do it. Kick them. And of course they don't, right? So it seems like the less rounded sport. If you watch uh, you know, all the top fighters now, they all sort of have a combination of a bunch of different disciplines. None of the top guys are going to get anywhere if they have zero jiu-jitsu. Right? Yeah. You, since the Gracies, you have to have jiu-jitsu. In fact, it's, it's hilarious if you watch the first UFC, uh, the first time Hoist Gracie fights. Uh, it's hilarious to watch the next guy that he fights fighting like a rabid weasel not to be taken to the ground mm-hmm. and still being taken to the ground at will. Yeah. Like they went in not expecting anything from this little guy who was significantly smaller than everyone else and he just destroys them because no one had it and then and then everyone immediately put jiu-jitsu into their, mm-hmm. into their game. And now we have – actually, I noticed that you had uh, Krav Maga up there a little while ago. And one thing's about Krav Maga, as it is correctly taught in Israel, is that it's essentially a combination of boxing, wrestling, kickboxing, and, and a couple different combat grappling forms. The reason why it's an excellent hand-to-hand art is those are all efficient, intelligent mm-hmm. arts based on science and physics. How do I hit someone harder? I'm a 160-pound woman. i got to move my hand faster <laughs> or hit them somewhere where it's more effective. I have some information on Krav Maga since it came up. Mm-hmm. All right. Derived from street fighting skills developed by Emmy Lichtenfeld, Lichtenfeld, who made use of his training as a boxer and wrestler as a means of defending the Jewish quarter against fascist groups in Bratislava in the mid to late 1930s. In the late 1940s, following his immigration to Israel, he provided he began to provide hand-to-hand combat training to what was to become the IDF, uh, Israeli, Israeli Army. Defense Force, yeah. who went on to develop the system that became known as Krav Maga. It has since been refined for civilian police and military applications. As you mentioned, it really does seem to be like, let's look at this from all points of view and figure out the best techniques, as yeah. opposed to, this is the traditional way you punch somebody. It, was, it or, seemed or, almost scientific. Or becoming ridiculously adept at one discipline to the detriment of every other. Right? Yeah, Aikido is a great Hard if you have mm-hmm. 15 years to study it. I do not. No. And yeah. you know what? You can be the best jujitsu <laughs> guy on the planet, but if you've got some other guy who can knock your block off before you can there's tie a, him up, then... A, there's a Brazilian saying, which is, if I can take one punch, you're mine. Yeah. If yeah. I can take one punch, I will take you to the ground. There's another saying, if the ground is the ocean, I am a shark, and you don't know how to swim. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll tell you, that limitation is actually why I stopped taking Shotokan Karate back in the day. I'd gotten to my green belt... Uh, in it and was enjoying it but started doing sparring and stuff and i just kept wanting to guys would like come running at me when we'd spar and all it is in shotokan is kicks and punches and i was like well if he's running at me i could just like sidestep and throw him against the wall and i would do that and they would get mad at me for doing a non-karate move and i'm like well it worked yeah and so within a couple of weeks of doing that i was just i'm just done the green belt is also where kermit stopped practicing it's true and I also learned I don't want to be in a fight. No, fighting is, is bad. I don't want to be in a fight either. I, I like hitting people for fun, but I don't really want to be in a fight. I've been in more than a handful of fights. You like, have? I don't like them either. It's the reason I don't compete in stand-up. I'm not getting punched in the head for the purposes of a, a medal. It's just not yeah. fun. Oh, well, speaking of being punched in the head, uh, I have some information on the dangers in boxing and other fighting sports. Oh, uh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Traumatic brain injury, or TBI for short. Mm-hmm. There's a few different kinds. Dementia pugilistica. Oh, is that official? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. an official term. It's the neurodegenerative disease or dementia, which may affect athletes who suffer concussions. Who's so punch drunk? You know that's who gets exactly it a lot? It soccer players. Oh, yeah? Every time you head a soccer ball, you cause a small concussion. Interesting. Symptoms and signs of DP develop progressively over a long, latent period, sometimes reaching decades, 
with the average time of onset being about 12 to 16 years after the start of a career in boxing. The condition is thought to affect around 15 to 20% of professional boxers. In true MMA, you get this a lot less because... You don't have to knock somebody out to end the fight. There are far fewer head injuries in MMA. You've got 12 rounds in boxing and you've got three rounds in MMA. So in 12 rounds of boxing, you're getting hit in the head like between 100 and 150 times. And in three rounds of MMA, I think the average is like 20 or 25 times. It's actually interesting. It's claimed, I see Muhammad Ali, that it's, it's, it's actually claimed by his family that he doesn't have that, that the Parkinson's is unrelated. Mm. <coughs> Crap. <coughs> Sorry. It's 100% related. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, or at least, at very least, exacerbated. Exa- like he, made worse. Maybe yeah. if he never boxed, he would have gotten Parkinson's anyway, but maybe he wouldn't have been like this. I don't understand. How did right? he get it, though? Nobody could touch his pretty face. <laughs> My father, who was a sports reporter for many years, spoke to a couple different boxers who said that the way they would have fought Ali was to um, put him up against the ropes and punch him in the arms until he couldn't lift his hands and then knock him out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We also have subdural hematoma. The most common of the more severe head injuries are concussion and subdural hematoma, which is basically bleeding inside the skull due to ruptured or severed arteries. And that's the one that would lead to quick death. Yeah, and that that's, uh, creates pressure on the brain, right? Yeah, that's bleeding within the skull, nowhere to go. And we have second impact syndrome. This Ooh. phenomenon occurs when the brain like secondhand smoke. Yes. Oh, you know who the, had for this? Your brain. If this? I punch Torin, you'll get it. If I, had, you know who had this? The Three Stooges <laughs> when they would knock their heads together. <laughs> yeah. Second impact syndrome. Yeah. yeah. The brain swells catastrophically even after a mild blow with debilitating or even lethal results. This is caused by a second blow to a person's head who has already suffered a recent head injury or head knock, and there hasn't been sufficient time for the first injury to heal. Any head knock sustained in recreational activities can prove deadly when that boxer has to step inside the ring. Once you have a concussion, mm-hmm. it's easier to be concussed. A point of fact from MMA, uh, Chuck Liddell, who didn't used to have a button, and now he pretty much, you breathe on him wrong, he falls over. A know? button? Is that a technical term? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a boxing term. He, is, he just gets clipped in the chin, and he's down now. He didn't oh. used to be, but yeah. he's one of those guys who was so focused on punching you, he didn't defend himself. He would come oh, in with okay. his hands wide, and if he hit you, you were down. But he got hit enough that now it's got to the point where people are clipping him oh, and he's going down. You probably he, he might did. know it better as a glass jaw. The last one I have is the contra-coup effect. I love that name. Occurs when the head is hit, for example, by a punch to the head, and accelerated in the opposite direction from the incoming blow, which then causes the brain to collide with the inside of the skull where the knock occurred. Yeah. This then sends a percussion wave to the opposite side of the skull. The first impact causes the coup injury. The second force causes the contra-coup you injury. You know who did that? awesome demonstration of that Mythbusters oh yeah they did uh, getting hit in the head with a bottle because there's a myth that getting hit in the head with an empty bottle is worse than getting hit in the head with a full bottle oh okay and so they put a case and they put a jelly brain in it and they hit it with stuff and you can see it go back it's (laughs) awesome it's this red jelly brain going back and forth it's the best waving around the skull yeah so what was worse was it the empty bottle oh the full bottle bottle, hands down in every every category it was just this more weight mass mass. mass. Yeah. yeah so tell me about the one inch punch it's a show technique. It's designed to be something that you don't really do in fighting. There Why not? are It's not really particularly useful in fighting. Now, that being said, as I said, when I came in here, I had my instructor do this to me. And I said it took three times before I could see it happen. And I hit a wall once. And um, it's about the efficient generation of force, generating force from the hip into the fist. Now, there are actual fighting applications of it, particularly in what's called the trapping or clinching range, which is the third of four ranges. Not to be confused with the clinching range. Clinching and trapping are the same. No, clinching. Clinching? I said clinching. Oh, clinching. <laughs> clinching that's range happens would in my be bathroom. When, yeah, that's entirely different. It's a five, five foot range right yeah. there. And, and yeah. sometimes into a plastic bag. <laughs> that was not an exception to the rule. There's always exceptions to uh, every rule. Anyway, um, so there's four ranges. There's uh, kicking, punching, trapping, or clinching, and then grappling, which is usually on the ground. And the application of the one-inch punch is to be able to generate force from a very short distance efficiently and effectively. So again, it is all physics. It is about using your hip, not your arm, to generate force through the arm to the end of it. Now, that being said, it's extremely powerful. Um, it's often used in Tai Chi particularly in the push hands competition, that particular short generation of force. I have been thrown eight feet by a Tai Chi move by my instructor in the middle of a boxing match. So it does work. From the uh, one-inch punch? Well, from a variation of it using okay. a slightly more wrestling technique. But in this case, I mean, the only reason, the only thing that stopped me the first time he did it was the wall. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I probably would have kept going if I hadn't hit the wall. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Bruce was doing it to make a point. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was making a point about how to generate force, and he was using it to promote himself and to promote his art and to show sure. how effective it was. It mm-hmm. is 
fascinating to do and it is fascinating to learn because it does teach you so much about how it's all physics, man. It's all science. Yeah. We should qualify that the one-inch punch can occur from up to six inches. Yes. <laughs> should we talk about dirty fighting? Oh, dirty fighting. You had mentioned uh, punching with ropes tied around your fist. Br- you can also hold on to stones and stuff like that. Anything like that that's designed to put around the fist or put on the hand is dual purpose. It's to add weight. Even a few mm-hmm. uh, ounces. Like can a roll actually, of quarters. Yeah, roll yeah. of quarters. Can add a lot of energy to the punch. I mean, again, it's physics. You know, force is mass times momentum, right? So if... Um, I think it is. If we get a small velocity. object, velocity, small object moving very quickly, it's going to be, you know, appear more massive at the end result. The other thing is, is to protect the hand. That's what boxing gloves and wrapping your hands are for. Right. You want to compress the bone structure. Mm. The more compressed it is, the less you are likely to damage it. Oh. So part of the point of a, of a brass knuckle is not only just to fit over the knuckles to protect them and to add weight, but it must fill your hand. Oh, okay. So that you have something to hold on to to punch with. Never punch someone with a with a closed fist if you can avoid it. You will break something. Useful tips from Caustic Soda. Just so the physicists don't get mad at us. Force is actually mass. Oh, they'll get mad at us yeah. no matter yeah. what oh, we I do. Know. I knew I was going to say it wrong, too. Force is mass times acceleration. Mass but times the, acceleration. But the, but the kinetic energy of a rigid body is one half of mass times velocity squared. You got that, Leeson? Uh, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> During this episode, fish hook, fish hooking, you're reaching your finger into someone's mouth and pulling. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do that because I'd get my thumb bitten off. I would personally bite anyone who did that. Well, yeah, you, you go inside the cheek, like not oh. behind the teeth, right? Yeah. So you, you just don't try to pull his tongue out. Like this and start crying. <laughs> if I can get my finger into the guy's throat, I can probably just punch him. It would be more effective to just punch him rather than stick my finger into his mouth. That being said, it does hurt. You can't take eye gouging out of the equation, then. Like, oh, the that... old Three Stooges double eye poke. Absolutely. <laughs> my my comment about that then is, if you can't punch the guy in the face, you're not going to hit him in the eye either. Oh, unless you're you're tied up and you're you're kind of rolling around and wrestling and whatnot. That's true. If get, he's strangling you, you can doink. Yeah, the one inch punch does not compare to the one inch thumb to the eye. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So when you do punch somebody in the face, is there a specific spot you want to hit? Because it is a big hunk of bone. Uh, if I was going to punch someone in the face with a closed fist, I would actually aim for the nose for pain. The right. reason for pain. Hitting someone in the nose, if they're not, particularly if they're not used to getting hit, uh, hurts like hell. Yeah. We'll Eyes occasionally water, water them. Yeah. Occasionally cause them to not be able to see out of at least one eye. And most people cannot deal with seeing their own blood. And the nose bleeds like an SOB. Isn't that almost the most dangerous, also the most dangerous place to get punched? No, it's not. That whole, I'm going to put the bone spike into your head thing is complete crap. Oh, okay. Okay. It doesn't happen. The go for the nose is actually advice from the 1980 comedy drama, My Bodyguard, spoken by Adam Baldwin in his film debut as the bodyguard to the kid he was taking care of. Um, the other one would be actually, if, depending on what I wanted to do to them, the mouth. And if you lose a couple of teeth, teeth it kind of yeah. saps your will to with, fight. With women. I needed those teeth. Yeah, with women. <laughs> chew. Anything that threatens their face will usually stop them fighting. Um, so the reasons why I'm currently in the middle of writing a fantasy novel about fighting and uh, the reasons I crippled my my heroine's face in the, like the first three chapters oh, was nice. I don't want her to have to worry about it. She's now <laughs> you know horribly scarred. So that's it. I can do anything I like. <laughs> you know, if I was fighting someone that knew what they were doing, I probably wouldn't be punching for the head at all. I'd be punching for the body. Getting hit in the liver hurts almost more than anything else that you can do. In the liver. In the liver. Mm. I've and this is from boxers. A body shot to the liver will occasionally knock you out. Like, unconscious. It hurts so much. Mm. And uh, kidney shots will make you pee blood. Yes, kidney shots hurt like hell, too, but apparently getting Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. (laughs) I want to talk about Bolivian Tinku. Okay. From the Andes. Is that the sound they make when they kick you in the head? Tink. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Began as a form of ritualistic combat, it is native to the northern region of Potosi in Bolivia. In the language of the Quechua, the word Tinku means encounter. In the language of Aymara, it means physical attack. During this ritual, men and women from different communities will meet and begin the festivities by drinking and dancing. The women will then form circles and begin chanting while the men proceed to fight each other. Rarely, the women will join in the fighting as well. Large tinkus are held in Potosi during the first few weeks of May. And I've seen this actually uh, on a program. It almost looks like post-apocalyptic fistfights. Thunderdome. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because they're all dressed up in just like a mishmash of whatever. Some of them will have like sheep cowls and others will have like real, you know, protective headgear. And some of them are wearing like rags in their fists. And it's just a big old 
brawl. It's a drunken brawl. It seems like a it's traditional a traditional drunken brawl. It's the end of the harvest season. Let's go punch each other. <laughs> There's all sorts of sort of like, you know, solstice traditions all around the world and stuff. And, you know, sometimes you throw fruit at each other or you throw <laughs> tomatoes or you, you, you play polo with somebody's severed head or whatever, right? But having a celebratory drunken brawl is a uh, pretty a awesome, first. actually. Yeah. I, I, I want to be Although, part of this culture now. I would probably go for that more than I go with the running of the bulls. Yeah, I'm not so worried about a person hitting me compared to getting gored and trampled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> bulls are hard to reason with. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you some can't guy... tap out a bull. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head The room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said, quote Ain't that a hole in a boat My head keeps spinning I go to sleep and keep grinning If this is just a beginning My life is gonna be Beautiful I've sunshine enough to spread It's just like the fella said Tell me quick Ain't love a kick in the head So iTunes is this thing that Caustic Soda is on, and reviews on iTunes is a big part of how it ranks podcast popularity, which determines whether or not your favorite podcasts are in the top listings. Now, if, say, Caustic Soda was in the top listings, we would have more listeners, uh, which would make us very happy and would keep making episodes for you all to enjoy. So, by all means, help us get the word out about Caustic Soda, not just in this way, but share it with your friends. Make a zip file of MP3s and email it to that girl or guy you've got a crush on. What better way to impress than three dudes talking about decapitation and parasites, I ask you. Make sure you press that like button on our Facebook page and always comment on causticsodapodcast.com. Pick up a shirt while you're there. We now return with the Super Friends. In the news. 2007, formerly news. Bolivian lawmakers exchanged blows Wednesday as a long-simmering fight for control of the Andean country's judicial branch boiled over into the aisles of Congress. They're probably all raging on cocaine. <laughs> and Tinku. And Tinku. They got the Tinku in their blood. Opposition leaders seized the dais in the lower house in a failed effort to block legislators aligned with President Evo Morales, and we all know him, from bringing charges against the country's highest court for suspending four of his judicial appointees. Lawmakers from Morales' party, who hold a slim majority in the chamber, tried to dislodge their rivals. Both sides stood on tables and yelled at the other before flinging cups of water and engaging in brief but violent fisticuffs. Ooh, fisticuffs, yay! Sounds like a bunch of apes. I <laughs> throwing, throwing water at each other and probably pounding their chests and waiting until they can actually build up the courage to go over and actually hit somebody and... Yeah. Probably slink back oh, to their corner. There'd be, a lot of, there'd be a lot of threat display there. Yeah. There's, a, there's a couple of really famous ones from Taiwan, I think, where they literally had to like turn off the lights and evacuate the building. There's one like from this. Korea where they actually had to use fire hoses on them. To oh, get them nice. To stop. Those rowdy politicians. Uh, totally. A public service announcement. Oh, yeah. Okay. How to take a punch. I lower my head and throw fists over top blindly. Like a hoping, windmill? Like a windmill. Like Lisa Simpson. Hoping to connect <laughs> and uh, end up with a lot of hard lumps on the very top of on my crown. Do you recommend that? Uh... No. I thought you just covered your, your head with your arms and shouted your battle cry. Not in the face. Not in the face. Oh, Spoon! no, I don't care. I don't care about the face. Let me look at me, Joe. <laughs> it, it can't hurt me. 
Can only help. I get more character. I'll be tougher. Chicks dig scars. Number one, relax mentally. Don't panic. So, uh, whoa, whoa, before you hit me, me I'm just going to go get high. Because uh, if you fear that the pain will be more agonizing than what it will actually be, it'll hurt even worse. Yes, being mm. tense makes things worse. Yeah. Number two, breathe. Good advice under most circumstances. Yes. Except for sarin gas attacks. <laughs> when someone punches you in the stomach area, breathing out hard and swiftly will take all the air out of your stomach so that they don't knock the wind out of you. Don't hold your breath. Get hit in the forehead. Ooh, yeah, hard and bony. Break I the actually knuckles. have an issue with that because if you get hit in the wrong spot of the forehead, you're going to get hit right into a sinus and it's more likely to knock you out. Oh. Get hit right here. In fact, the reason why you don't uh, you don't headbutt with the front of your head, as right. is often shown in movies, you headbutt with this because this the is top. the so top of the head. Top of the forehead, yeah. Because this is very tough and this is a sinus. Well, it's probably so she's, the, this she's pointing to is right above the uh, bridge of the nose. Yeah, yeah which mm. is where people like to headbutt. That's probably when they're suggesting the forehead, they probably mean the higher up on the forehead. Yeah, the crown right mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah, you want to uh, avoid getting your jaw hit and biting off your tongue is also something you want to avoid. Yeah, we definitely want to avoid that. Uh, don't panic at gushing nosebleeds or profuse bleeding as well. Yeah. Try to roll with the punch. Move with the punch is probably a better way of putting it. So if someone sure. is punching you in the side of the head, the, try to move with the – if they're punching from you know the left into the right, move right. As opposed to stop, drop, and right. roll yes. when you get punched. <laughs> or jump towards them, which is worse. Yeah. This increases the time of the impact, which by the properties of impulse, a change in momentum decreases the force. Science. Protect your vulnerable areas. I'll protect my wallet first. Yeah, protect Very your wallet from getting punched. Yeah. You don't want to get punched in no. the wallet. I do. Mine's all puffy. Actually, God, most of you guys want to get punched in the wallet. It's like a lot of padding. <laughs> Turn your body slightly away from the oncoming attack to protect your center line. Keep your elbows tight to your torso to protect your ribs. Keep your eyes on your assailant so you can react to his attacks and properly move or defend. Do not attempt to block the punch. All this will do is you will get hit twice, once with their hand and once with your own. Ah, fair Good enough. Good point. That's that old, that's classic older brother, why are you punching yourself technique, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you doing hitting yourself? You're so stupid. Stop hitting yourself. And then lastly, keep your balance because you do not want to fall down yeah. and fight. Getting stomped. Mm. If you fall down, start kicking at their legs as fast as you can at, like a rabid weasel. You do not want to be down on the ground unless you know how to fight down there. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a handful of sand. Ah, if Hollywood has taught me anything, <laughs> a handful of sand, sand to the eyes is uh, is the universal how to get up off the ground with taking no damage done. Or, or you can sever an artery and spray them with your own blood, like yes. they, they do, and shoot them up. Oh, nice, <laughs> yeah. Well, that leads us into pop culture. Oh, there's an yeah. endless. I can think of at least two movies that have fights, fist fights in <laughs> there. At least two. Here is my favorite fighting movie of all time. And in fact, in my personal opinion, is the greatest sports movie of all time. Raging Bull, 10 out of 10. Ooh. It is an excellent boxing movie. I don't know. I think I have to pull you one away because it's black and white. You fuck my wife? That's right. <laughs> you fuck my wife? <laughs> what are you? What are you, some sort of sick fuck? I'm not going to answer that question. Yeah, black and white. Interesting choice. I, I just want to note that I was kidding about Taking a point away from that. It's the one where De Niro gained something like 57 pounds over the course of shooting to play the older and the younger. Actually, he gained it before shooting and they shot all the scenes with him fat early and then he started losing it. Yeah, he went from he went from like 220 pounds to like 152 pounds yeah. over the course of shooting the movie. Like it just He actually ended up being hospitalized after the film was finished. For diabetes? Uh, digestive issues and stuff like this. And I think it, there might have been something, some of his internal organs shut down or something. Cause, so for all you Caustic Soda listeners out there, try not to cut 50 to 70 pounds of weight over the course of like three months. A fist fight that I must mention is the fist fight from They Live, which only lasts six minutes and feels like it lasts a lot longer. <laughs> if you ever watch it, it is on YouTube. I swear to God that at the end of that, you're like, I can't believe that was only six minutes. It felt like 20. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I did enjoy six They Live immensely yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was like 12 that years old. That fist fight, the entire fist fight over, put these glasses on for six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all he wanted you to do to put the glasses <laughs> on. Just put the damn glasses on. Let's fight. I actually caught it on TV not too long ago, like two or three months ago, and I remember thinking that nostalgic part of my brain went, oh, yeah, they live, Rowdy Roddy Piper, a kick-ass, yeah. And I watched like 15 minutes of it and went, oh, no. <laughs> it is a terrible film. Oh, it's awful. What do you mean? Rowdy Roddy Piper threw in like his kind of wrestling mm-hmm. sort of feel into every sort of pratfall and whatnot, and it was a lot of like pinwheeling arms and like struggling around, like holding his lower back 
back and grimacing in pain. And there was a definite professional wrestling sensibility to all of the fight sequences. Mm -hmm. It made me obviously entertained as an 11 year old, but not so much when you catch it on showcase at like 37. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's your loss, pal. (laughs) Drunken master. Our, uh, oh, Jackie Chan. The interesting thing about that movie is if you look at that, I mean, as, as amazing as Jackie Chan is, the, his bodyguard, the guy that plays the bad guy, is actually a better fighter. Mm. If you look at them, he's actually a much better fighter. It's just that Jackie Chan's a mutant and can, like, leap through a two-inch window, right? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> well, he's got that kind of comedic acting sensibility, yeah, it's, too, it's, which it's, makes him, a, it, like, essentially the most likable character He also doesn't... Ever. He never represents himself as a great no. fighter. No. Like, exactly. he always seems like the underdog who ends up He's self-deprecating. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Even in this film, he's he's drunken master. He's only any good when he gets drunk. And of course, uh, Zui Quan is literally drunken fist, a concept in traditional Chinese martial arts, as well as a classification of modern wushu forms. The postures are created by momentum and weight of the body, and imitation is generally through staggering and certain types of fluidity in the movements. It is considered to be among the most difficult wushu styles to learn due to the need for powerful joints and fingers. While in Hmm. fiction... Practitioners of Zui Quan are often portrayed as being actually intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zui Quan techniques are highly acrobatic and skilled and require a great degree of balance and coordination. It's tough. I mean, there are aspects of it that uh, actually entered into a lot of training and that it's very deceptive. Mm-hmm. And and that's the, just the simple act of deception. I'm going to look like I'm going to punch you here, but I should put your knee down here. Ah, you know. When talking just about fights and different styles of fights, it's Bloodsport, the Van Damme yeah. movie. Oh, I mean, it's not, it's not a good movie. But like, <laughs> I, I, the I fight can't, sequence is but still the fight solid. stuff is great. And yeah. the reason is because it's one of the reasons why I liked uh, UFC back in the day, uh, as opposed to now, was that every single character has a different fighting style. Yeah, and it's it was all so style cool style. to see like a sumo wrestler go up against this African guy with his monkey style kung fu uh, yeah, totally. and, and see all that like, like synced up together and see how they'd fight. It was, it's so cool. Just zip past all the quote unquote story oh, yeah. elements. Just yeah. Go just straight go to the, to the fights. Fight. Jean-Claude Van Damme is such a bad actor in that movie that when they hired a kid to play him in a flashback, they found the worst actor kid they could. <laughs> yeah. Just so he matched up. Like he's, the kid looks like he has true. mental problems when he's talking. Like it's, it, he's not all there. And I'm like, it's great. It's perfect. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme as a kid. I'd be more impressed if they had gotten like a, a, kid actor who was like highly you know like a physics major <laughs> yeah then after all this fighting too much punch drunk mm-hmm. uh a movie from a uh, little bit back in the day that not a lot of people saw but it sort of started off a couple of careers girl fight with uh, michelle rodriguez her first ah, ever movie actually oh, I've a never good, seen it good boxing uh, film yeah directed by karen kusama and the fight sequences are really 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 accurate and yeah and, good boxing uh, movie slightly ridiculous ending i still have issues believing that they would yeah. do a gender neutral golden uh, gender neutral golden gloves fight of course of course and she's would. fighting her boyfriend oh you know, I see. spoiler ooh, right yeah but it's good boxing and Rashid Rod- rodriguez has the advantage of actually looking tough she just exuded like teenage rage yeah bitter inner city rage yeah certainly a much better movie than million dollar baby that movie sucked ass really good book yeah i thought it was good no i guess i'm wrong you're not wrong i guess my opinion is wrong you you can have your opinion okay well you said no (laughs) but it's wrong Uh, we got to talk about Gross Point Blank. Benny the Jet. Benny Urquidez. Uh-huh. I can't pronounce it. Uh, his character is named La Poubelle. Which means dustbin in which French. Which means yeah, waste paper basket. John Cusack is about as threatening to me as a royal kitten, and I cannot uh, believe him as a serial, as, as a killer. I'd be like, yeah, f- come here, you little poop. He's, that movie is great. <laughs> it, is a, it is a really good yeah, movie. I, love that movie. I believe you. I just haven't seen it. I, I, and I love that about him in that movie, is that he does not look like he's a killer. He doesn't yeah. even act like he is one, and that's what makes it kind of creepier. He is a kickboxer, though. I'll give him that. He does train kickboxing, or he has the, trained. The, my favorite performance in that movie, by far, is uh, Alan Arkin as the psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. Who is terrified by him. He's like, we're not working together because I'm afraid of you. And I, can't, <laughs> I think I can't work in this dynamic. And then John Cusack goes, well, you, you know, you're the best, and, and I also know where you live. You see? You see what you're doing there? <laughs> That's what you used to manipulate me. Okay, That's I'm, like to cause me anxiety. Clearly I have to see this now. Yeah. <laughs> That is the best performance. And the whole, all of his scenes take place in his office. So you know that it's yeah. part of him for like yeah, yeah, one yeah. day of shooting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They shot yeah. his whole thing out in like a single day. Yeah. And he's just brilliant as the psychiatrist. Brilliant. Fight Club. Oh, caused so many problems socially. <laughs> it, it's my favorite movie of all time. Would you give 11 out of 10 if you could? If I could? You can't. 
If I, I know I can. <sighs> I mean, it's got it's got everything. It's got social commentary, fantastic writing, fantastic performances, like cinematography, mm-hmm. story. You know that twist that I never saw coming. It's like, got caustic soda in it. It, 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 it does have caustic soda. soda in the it. caustic soda kiss. Yeah. And once you see it once and get to that twist, you get to watch it again, and it feels almost totally different. You start seeing how different. clever the artifice of it is the second time you see yeah. it. How but clever that they constructed it. Not until I got it on DVD did I also notice the um, the little like subliminal uh, Tyler yeah. Durdens. Oh no, I saw those, but yeah, I didn't see those in the theater. I didn't see them until I started watching it on DVD. And I went, what subliminal the hell that? Tyler Durdens. You know how one of his jobs is as the night projectionist and he cuts in those single frames of yep. porno movies and yep. children's films yep. fincher actually does that in the movie yeah like in the three instances right. where durden is is like coming to the fore like it, it's obviously it's communicating He's uh, about how to our, change. our unnamed character is starting to be to be durdenized right the one sequence in the office when he's watching everybody photocopy there's a flash there the first time he has a fight with Marla and she walks away down the street, there's mm-hmm. one there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. One. I'll have to yeah. rent it now. And there's a um, there's a third one. I can't remember. I what think it's is. in the credits. There's a big dog. Right. There's a big big fat dick in the credits. Yeah, yeah. There's a dick in the credits. Oh, cool. There's so much going on. It's so brilliant and layered. I've watched it. I don't even know 20, 30 times, yeah. and I get something new out of it every time. Anyway, but, let's talk, let's talk about fighting. But again, it's like this hyper realistic fighting. Well, the the yes outcomes no. exactly aren't, but yeah. No. Yeah, and they would be a lot more beaten up than they were if you got hit that much bare knuckled. You'd be a lot more beaten up. Absolutely, but. like there's no doubt about that. But the fact that it's not this pretty like stand yeah. in front of each other and mm-hmm. kind of and like there was this, actually blood. And yeah, there was actually. And when people teeth. hit the hard cement with their face, they'd lose teeth. Yeah. And yeah, just like I mean, the point of that film was to portray the ugliness of it all. It's actually an anti-violence fight film. Oh, absolutely. I Nobody, agree. anybody who doesn't get that. Yeah, Tyler Durden's not the good guy. No, no he's not the no, hero. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of Brad Pitt, in in that he was also in Snatch as a fighter. Oh, right. Irish right, boxer, of isn't he Irish? I can't Pikey. Remember. Yeah, yeah, the Pikeys. Yeah, unintelligible. <laughs> I, fantastic performance. That's, that's dirty fighting. So then we've got some more stylized fighting. Uh, the Matrix and uh, the uh, Oh yeah. Guys, they're superheroes, right? Yeah, I mean, superheroes. It's like it's interesting thing, like the Spider-Man fight scenes in the first movie. The thing I liked about those was the only reason he won those fights is because he was faster and stronger than everyone. They actually choreographed him to be a complete loser. Like he right. can't fight; he's just incredibly fast and Which, strong. Which of course makes sense. Because and it was he's great. Never I love yeah, it. He's just right? a nerd. I know. Yeah. I loved it. It's like this. What would happen if you were so fast you could see the punch coming? You know, and be like, "Oh, okay, that." I'm going to talk to all the caustic soda jerks out there for a second right now and just say. We understand that there are a million and a half fight movies in... Uh, <laughs> We're not going to mention them all. Yeah, it's impossible. I mean, I guess we could open a separate stream for everybody to send uh, I can't believe you scene. didn't mention... Yes. Don't, so-and-so. Don't preface it with, I can't believe you didn't mention this. Just start with, just go, hey, I really like this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just uh, give us your take on it. We're not going to be here for four hours listing off every single movie where there was a good fight. Yeah. But we will talk about Lethal Weapon because apparently there was some jujitsu in it. Yeah, the end of Lethal Weapon, the uh, fight advisor for the final fight when uh, Mel Gibson kills Gary Busey. It's Gary Busey, right? Um, I hope so. Is choreographed by the Gracies, one of the Gracies who uh, started the uh, UFC, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, he kills Gary Busey with a triangle choke, which is a choke using your, their arm and your legs to oh, cut it's off. Not, it's not a musical uh, triangle? No. <laughs> Ding. Don't choke him. Ding. Yeah. And it's, the, it's, the, the reason I got his name is that what, that's what people had to do to get out of it. They, they, they hit the triangle. <laughs> Ding. I'm ready to get yeah. out, please. It's, uh, it's a fantastic uh, technique. It's, it's one of the mother techniques in jiu-jitsu, armbar, triangle choke, you know, various other things. Interestingly enough, apparently jiu-jitsu has been practiced in the West for a lot longer than people think. I mean, the Gracie's popularized it in the 80s and the 90s, but you can find on YouTube uh, videos from the 20s of British women being taught jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Rare jiu-jitsu footage. There's two or three of them. Uh, one of them is called The Weaker Sex, and it has a woman... Question being a, mark? Yeah. <laughs> woman being accosted by the bandit. And um, the funniest thing about it is actually she's doing pretty good jiu-jitsu, and this dude does not know how to fall in any way. More like Keystone Cop yeah. style as opposed to... Uh... <laughs> and they apparently used to teach this in British uh, boarding schools. Um, women would learn this. And, and I've seen manuals from the 20s and the 30s in German for how to do these moves and how to do this. And, and they're actually, actually, it's actually good jiu-jitsu. Well, I mean, the great part about jiu-jitsu is that you can have a massive size discrepancy and still 
yeah. take care of the business. I mean, Hoist Gracie in the UFC proved that uh, yeah. on multiple times because he kept winning championships against, and he was only like 156 pounds. Yeah. Like, everybody was bigger than him. He beat everybody decisively. The thing is about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it is probably the only wrestling art where you can beat strength with skill. As a woman, 160-pound woman, I can and have beaten guys who weighed a lot more than I have simply because I knew more than they did. Knowledge is power. Now, we are going to have to mention Bruce Lee a little more. Yes, we do have to and talk about Enter Bruce. the Dragon. What an athlete, right? Like, oh, I mean, mm-hmm. that guy, He's a mutant. It's just something else. From that Hong Kong style where, you know, you never had stunt doubles. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Jackie Chan owes everything to Bruce Lee, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... Without Bruce Lee, there's no Jackie Chan. Bruce Lee was uh, physically just in the peak of his career uh, at the time. And he and the, the man is just no fat on him at all. It Look, you feel you know, like he could, he, whatever sport he would have taken up, he would have been world class at it. Yeah, he absolutely. could have become a swimmer, golfer, wide receiver at football. He could have been a golfer. Like whatever he would have done, he probably would have been world. And class. as I said, I'm only I'm only three people removed from Bruce Lee, and my school, our website is tacticalfighting.ca, and I've talked to people who have either met Bruce Lee or met you know one person removed from him, and they say that he was he was actually probably like that in real life that he did get into street fights apparently because he was a bad driver. Oh. But can you imagine oh, being man. the dude? He's like, that guy cut me off. And he gets out. It's Bruce Lee. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my website you have up there where there's a seminar coming up. Highly recommend coming for a free class if you're in the area. It's at Blue Mountain and Como Lake and Coquitlam. Um, it's a great school. It's a very adult school. It's not strip mall karate. Let's just put it that way. But right. it's an awesome, awesome place to train. And it's I've been there for nine years and I'll be there until you know Gary quits or I die. In spite of the fact that I absolutely hate him now, I loved his early movies. Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. First three movies. Yeah, well, which ones? Are, I always, for, the I always get them all mixed the law, up. Hard to Kill. Yeah. And, and Out for Justice. Mark, Mark for, for Death. Jo- I don't think I've seen any Steven Seagal movies. Okay, you watch the first three and then never watch another one. What do they bring to the table? Hard to Kill. He goes into a coma, comes out after like, I don't even know, like it's six a, years or something like that and is in perfect shape. And it's like, a date Kelly LeBron. Yeah, and kicks everybody's <laughs> ass. Oh, it's so It's awesome. the ultimate ridiculous 80s martial arts revenge movies. Everyone like, stops and waits till he beats up one guy and yeah, then he goes sure, on to the yeah, next yeah, guy yeah. and then he goes on to the next guy. And he thinks is he actually is a 6'3 black belt Nikita or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. he has skills. But, I mean, he's not a nice guy in real life. He's so fat today that he has a body double that actually does all his action sequences because he can't actually do them himself. In fact, you're not allowed to shoot him below his shoulders on the movies that he's the star in. Yeah. He's a horrifying egotist. So rather than eat less and drink less booze and exercise a bit more. This is a man who has a lot of disposable income. It is his job to be in shape and he can't even manage it. He's a guy who refuses to be driven to set if it's more than like 30 minutes away from the hotel. In, In fact, he forces production to take him there in a helicopter. From the hotel, down, I didn't know the that. hotel downtown to set. Yeah. That makes me love him a little bit more. Here comes Steven Seagal. <laughs> but his first three movies are worth every penny. Only if you watch them as cheesy Yeah, as martial cheesy arts martial arts, arts 80s movies. Oh, yeah, they, fantastic. The reason I want to talk briefly about the Bourne Ultimatum is the martial art that uh, they were showcasing, and that is Kali, which I do. Ah, and man. a lot of it is weapons, and uh, but a lot of it is hand-to-hand. That opening sequence where he beats up the two guards... In the first one where he born identity where they ask him for his papers, he doesn't have his papers. Right, and he, yeah. That's all Cali. That's all trapping. What's and trapping? Trapping is the, that third range, the clinching range. It's usually between punching and kicking. You can still punch. You can do a little bit of kicking. You can use your elbows and your knees. It's, it's generally a range where you can use elbows and knees effectively. Hmm. So you have to be able to generate a lot of force in, in short distances. Okay. And elbows and knees are very heavy, very heavy weapons. Um, you can cut someone with an elbow, for instance. I've seen it happen. Knees are very heavy weapons. So it's, it's, it's actually where you can do the most damage in a fight. Very few arts train it other than Wing Chun. One of the statements I read online, and I love this, in an interview was apparently they told him that day when they needed to start walking like a boxer. And that's a really good point. Like not even knowing what you mean by that, I can imagine Jason Bourne walking and go, oh, yeah, he really did. Yeah. Walk differently. He yeah. walks like an athlete, like a boxer. Yeah. Shoulders are square. It's balanced. It's forward. Someone in that fight crew understood what it looks like when you're an actual fighter. There's a, just a different way that you walk. Well, I've worked with probably a dozen different fight choreographers and stunt coordinators here in Vancouver. And the single most talented martial artist that I have ever witnessed personally on set is Ray Park. Oh, Ray Park mm. is a mutant. Unbelievable. Yeah, I he played a mutant. Yeah, he did. did. You know what? I'm watching the Sleepy Hollow movie. Right after the Headless Horseman shows up the first time, I turned to someone and said, that's Ray Park. I didn't know it was him. 
Yeah. Just from the way he walked and went, that's Ray Park. And he's 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 the stunt double in the first Mortal Kombat movie for Sub-Zero and Scorpion. And as I'm watching yeah. that movie the first time, I'm like, whoever's in the Scorpion costume is way better than everybody else. <laughs> way better. And it's Ray Park. And and then he's Sleepy Hollow. I'm like, that's Ray Park. He was brilliant. And that guy's also Darth Maul in the yeah. episode brilliant. one. Yeah, I was on set with him on X versus Sever. Terrible film. He's good. <laughs> terrible film. Sorry, uh, hon. Well, he's a terrible actor. Like He had lines in that movie, which is probably one of the big reasons he took it, because no else has ever given lines before. So. In his real accent. I don't know if anybody knows because, oh, he also has Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe oh, movie. Oh, God. Right? They managed to make a fight scene between him and Bai Young Lee boring. <laughs> one of the things, because he's always in makeup and all the rest of this stuff, one of the things he, people don't realize, he has one of the most massive scars on his neck that you ever see. And we were working on set with him one day and I said, Ray, I, I've been working with you for three or four months now. I got to know, where'd the scar come from? He starts telling me the story. He says, okay, well, I was out drinking in, in London when I was 17 years old. And uh, I went out to the bar and I got out on the street. These guys came at me like they were, I don't know whether they were going to mug me or whatever. And I like, there were like three of them. I knocked one of them out, one punched him, knocked the other guy out. And the third guy came at me and I turned around and he stabbed me in the neck with a knife. So I like r- I realized I was bleeding and I ran. He got picked up by like a city bus and he was like bleeding profusely from his neck. So the city bus like went off his route and drove him like right to the emergency room. No sure. Crap. He got in and uh, I guess they missed one of his arteries, like his carotid or jugular by like three millimeters or something like that. Right. And they, he would have been dead before he hit the ground. That's when he decided he needed to learn how to defend himself. Oh, and, wow. And that's when he started doing wushu. Three years later, he was the junior world champ. And then like a year after that, he was the world champ. I love the fact that he was the only one in the X-Men film that they did almost no wire work with him. He did almost everything himself. Well, except when he's crawling on the Yeah, roof, other than know. the stuff that's physically impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not here suggesting that Ray Park can climb walls. No. He put his mind to it. Someone stabbed him in the neck enough times. <laughs> <laughs> Just missed. Let's move on to TV shows. I have to, I had to bring up the Gamesters of Triskelion episode of Star, Star Trek. Trek. Oh, yes. Uh, 5,000 Quatloos on the new Kaba. Tell me more Just of this because. earth thing called kissing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all of our listeners have seen it. but uh, So it's Uhura, Chekhov, and Kirk go to basically this fighting planet where they get put in like, gladiatorial combat with other aliens. And they can't touch the floor in various spots because it's electrified or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and then you can watch and then you, you can see William Shatner touching the spaces that he's not Clearly, supposed to yes. <laughs> step on or he'll be electrified or disintegrated or whatever. That's good stuff. Good, wholesome family fun. Um, Star Trek uh, Voyager tried to do an episode similar where Seven of Nine gets thrown into an MMA fight and she winds up fighting The Rock at one point. I have not right. seen that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She fights The Rock. She and Tuvok get captured by these people that uh, broadcast uh, MMA matches between people who are not necessarily there by choice. Awesome. And to save Tuvok's life, she winds up fighting The Rock. And The Rock does his eyebrow thing and everything. Naturally. He, did, naturally. he does do the people's eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about fighting on TV, how can we not talk about Kung Fu, the TV series? Oh, that guy's not Chinese. I know. And it, I, <laughs> I'm aware so that's of what that. it should have been called. What? That show should have been called, hey, that guy's not that Chinese. That guy's not Chinese. <laughs> Isa, you're racist. What's racist is that the greatest practitioner in the world of martial arts is a white guy. I, I don't like Caradine, and, and so it's, a, it's a hard for me to like the show. I really don't like him. He used to hurt stunt guys. Do you like him more that he strangled himself trying to do autoerotic asphyxiation? That makes me sad. But he used to apparently was famous for hurting stunt guys because he wouldn't control himself. The urban legend is is that the idea was actually pitched by Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. ostensibly, yeah. mm-hmm. that he would star in it. Naturally. And they, they all told him, we can't have an Asian lead and then on they, television. And they put him on Green Hornet. So he had to be a sidekick, to which he was like, screw TV. Tell me quick, boy, love a kick. Tell me quick, 